Welcome to the We Communications podcast. Each episode will discuss how communicators and brand marketeers can tell their stories and connect with audiences in an ever-changing media landscape. I'm Marcus Sura, and on today's episode, I'm joined by We Communications' Gareth Davies, Head of Digital and Insights for Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Gareth, welcome to the show. It seems that the only constant really in life and marketing services is change, and I guess being well ahead of it. Uh, you've been talking about change in relation to brands and stories. What do you mean by that, Gareth? Um, it, it's clear that we are, you know, we've entered into a landscape where as communicators and as brand marketeers, you know, how we approach our customers and how we approach our audiences has, has changed. I mean, at the heart of that has been technology. Technology has enabled our customers and the people that we need to engage with. Um, it, it's empowered them um, and it's allowed them to be uh, in constant motion. Um, so let me kind of explain that in, in, in a little bit more detail as, as best I can. You know, There's one thing that we found in some research, which we will talk about in a bit more detail shortly, is that the smartphone is the device that rules us all. And it's the device that is with us morning, noon, and night. You know, it's with us when we travel to work. It, it's with us when we're at work, supposedly working. Um, and it's with us on our commute at home. And it's with us when we're at home watching TV and relaxing. It is a device that we constantly turn to. So as a result, that's really changed how we consume content and the sort of behaviors that we portray as we're engaging with, with brands and kind of marketing messages. You know, in particular, you know, the smartphone is the one device that we will always turn to. So it's the one device through which we're consuming the majority of content that the brand is, is kind of pushing out there towards us. But it also means that it's it's a device where we can access a lot of different channels. You know, we engage with social media. Um, we engage with messenger apps. You know, we consume news content. We email. We can we stream music and TV shows through the likes of Spotify and Netflix. You know, and we, of course, continue to purchase a greater extent um, through our mobile device. If anything, we've entered a world of multiplicity. But what that means for, for brand marketeers and, and communicators is that this is no longer a landscape where it's all about communicating a sole message through a single channel. You know, you and I can both remember back in the day when it was all about sending a press release out to media, yeah. you know, hoping to get a piece of coverage in print media, and that would be your single route to audience. You know, it's no longer like that. In a world of multiplicity, you know, we're having to push out a message, you know, maybe about the same release through social media posts, um, through news sites, both online and offline, you know, through direct-to-customer kind of, um, CRM email um, by pushing it and placing it at the right sort of websites that will help the story or message be discovered. You know, we can't just think about a single channel anymore or a single form of content. We have to think about multiplicity at all times. I think that makes a lot of sense, Gareth. Uh, but what would you advise corporate communications and PR managers to change or at least do as they plan their day or their week ahead? Um, I think there is this idea of the need to engineer the casual encounter. Um, may not make sense immediately, so let me try and explain. Our research showed that there are two distinct kind of journeys that a customer takes. The first is the intentional journey, when they want to buy something um, or they're on the path to purchase. In, in these instances, our research shows that audiences um, sh demonstrate the same behaviours time and time again. They start with search, they end up on a retailer's website and probably for more information, then go onto a manufacturer's website. And that is pretty much the journey to sale, regardless of the product, the service, the category, or the sector. But what's really, really interesting, it's the unintentional searches, you know, the content that people discover throughout their day as they're traversing different channels and different 
sources of content and through different devices, those pieces of content that pique their interest and potentially change behaviours or perceptions, and this is what we call the unintentional. Because what our research showed is that actually when someone is not on the path to purchase, they don't care about the brand. They don't care about the product or a service. And in fact, you know, the research stated that a lot of people find being sold a product or a service through social media very uncomfortable. So what brands and, and marketeers need to do is think about ways in which they can build brand preference and loyalty over time. And it's definitely through these unintentional searches. But what that means is that brands have to really shift how they focus and design and build their content. They've really got to move away from talking about the product all the time and shift to what I call value-driven content. Now, I use the phrase value because what it means is that it's got to be, give someone inherent value. Mm. It needs to benefit their day-to-day or help them out through their day-to-day. It needs to educate, inform, or make them laugh, or make them think, or change perceptions and behaviours. But that ultimately is what we call value. And not only do they need to identify how they can create value-driven content, but they also need to identify where and when they can place it so it has the right impact and the right effect and discovered at the right time. You know, you don't want to be served a piece of content that doesn't, it has no context to how you're searching or what you're looking for at that moment in time. So ultimately, brands need to work hard and to discover the right sort of audience insights so they know not only what is the right content that's going to shift behaviours that we need to, but where do we need to nestle this content in order for it to be discoverable and f- at the right time and at the right place? And this is relevant to both B2B and also B2C players. I mean, the same lens should be used for both. Oh, no, exactly. You know, regardless of the product or service, you've got to in- inherently understand what drives your audience. You know, of course, you know, there is a need for a product or a service. But outside of that, what really floats their boat what drives them to engage with a piece of content and if you can get that right and if you can then get the placement right you're definitely on the road to success you often speak about spending so much time on creating wonderful content um, and that's crucial as a start but you also talk to often about making it discoverable because what's the point of spending all this time creating content that no one gets to see how would you advise corporate communication managers, PR directors, brand marketers to go about this? Well, I think if anything, they need to think of two simple concepts, this idea of signals and triggers. Um, Triggers very much play to the idea of the intentional search, what we kind of call the hygiene factors. You know, your website needs to be informative. The content needs to be easily navigatable to and easily discoverable from a landing page. You know, the content needs to be optimized so it shows up well in search engines across a variety of different keywords so that for any eventuality, your content or your your brand or your website is is there and visible and and draws people in. Um, But also, I think more importantly on on the intentional searches is that Brands should also think about the role of, of new influencers. Um, and if you look at, for example, the data in our, in our Stories in Motion study that talked about the importance of retailers' websites, there's one thing that, that retailers' websites are getting very, very right and can definitely influence the path to purchase. Um, it's user reviews. So if you think about it, you know, if you're on Amazon, for example, um, you know, one of the last things that you will see when you purchase a product is the user reviews. And, and you know, data shows that these can make or break a purchase or a sale. So if anything, brands need to make sure that they've got enough you know, influencers out there talking positively about the product in order to make sure that you know, at that last step before purchase, people don't drop off because of a bad review. But actually what that also means is that there is a new, new kind of role of influencers out there that aren't necessarily the, the you know, traditional media influencers or the, 
those social media influencers with high followers. It's actually the everyday man who's purchased the product, liked it or hated it and posted a review. They are just as powerful these days. But then kind of flipping to the kind of unintentional, um, I think if anything, brands need to keep spending time going back to their audience, going back to the kind of key drivers. Because ultimately, if they can create enough signals within the kind of social media ether or in across the media landscape that are based on this value-driven content, then they're going to make sure that there are enough placements out there at any given time that their audiences or prospective customers can discover. And I think you said something really interesting there. It's about, uh, it's about creating positive um, engagements, creating uh, opportunities for influencers to comment on a product, their experience, but also when it doesn't go quite well, the experience, I guess it's also about responding to that in a, an open, authentic way to acknowledge when something hasn't gone right. So when you unintentionally come across a comment or a post or a review, that the individual decision maker knows that uh, that brand is responsive. Oh, absolutely. Because I and, you know, there's some even some more data in our research that even plays this idea of, you know, how positive content and how negative in- content can really, really influence us. Interestingly, here in the UK, we call us cynical, but we are one of the the few nations that can be can be um, not necessarily easily swayed by negative information. But interestingly, you know, if we've made a decision about a brand or a product or service, you know, we are less likely to be more susceptible to negative information than positive information. That said, the data also showed that if we are already holding negative perceptions towards a brand and we see negative information, it will reinforce our negative perceptions. So going back to the question in terms of how can I can kind of brands make sure that the experience is always positive or how can we make sure that you know, a negative review by someone is not going to impact search or impact a customer's journey. You know, I think brands do need to take the rough with the smooth. But if they've, you know, worked closely with their audiences throughout the process, if they are shown that they're responsive, if they can ask questions and challenges, you know, I think audiences are very, very susceptible to that. And they're more likely to continue to perceive that piece of content as positive and therefore have no negative impact on their journey to purchase. Well, we almost out of time, Gareth, but I did want to ask you about the role of earned media. You spoke earlier about, uh, you know, how things have changed since we used to send out a press release. And of course, press releases are, are part of the, the toolbox that we use in communications, one small part of that toolbox. I remember, in fact, actually faxing out press releases. But in the study, uh, what did you find uh, that was of interest regarding earned media? I mean, for, I personally find it interesting because we are in a world where social media influencers have huge influence and huge authority over the perceptions um, towards brands. And, you know, we can we can mention numerous social media influencers and, and how much product they push and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or not. But, you know, we're very much in a landscape where new media influencers are, are a very distinct and key route to audiences. Um, however, I was really surprised that actually these did not rank as, as the most influential um, despite having millions of followers, you know, far more followers and subscribers than you could say is the kind of, than most newspapers and print magazines have readers. But actually earned media continue to be the most influential form of media. Um, and I'm, when I say earned media, I don't mean, you know, 
the social media influence, but I mean more of the traditional big hitter media titles such as The Guardian and the BBC, they still hold tremendous influence over individuals. So securing a story within those titles is, you know, communication or marketing nirvana. However, you know, as as, as you and I know, because we've been around long enough, you know, there's there's fewer and fewer of those titles around these days. So ultimately, competition to get in those titles is higher than ever before. So ultimately, it goes back to that single-minded point that we said before. If you can create stories that are driven around value, then you're going to increase the likelihood of being able to secure placement within these earned media titles. But that's kind of just step one, because also I think that once you secure coverage in those titles, you know you need to absolutely amplify the hell out of it. Because if people can see that your brand is being referenced positively in, say, The Guardian or the BBC... That's going to create huge amounts of brand preference and brand loyalty towards you or, or increase the propensity for someone to go to your brand first once they hit the journey to sale. So, you know, build on insight, but also, you know, be ready to amplify earned media coverage as soon as it appears. And of course, that's not something that you can always plan or, or expect to happen. So you need to be ready. Well, that's all we've got time for today on the We Communications podcast. If you enjoyed the show or have feedback for us, or even if you have some story ideas for a future episode, please do let us know. Contact us via our website, www.we-worldwide.com, or follow us on Twitter at we underscore UK. We look forward to hearing from you, and we hope you'll join us on a future episode of the We Communications podcast. Cheers for now. <laughs>